the book of Ruth, the third chapter. Ruth, chapter number three and verse number three. We're going to begin at verse number three. I'd like to read the whole thing, but I'm not going to do that to you today. Uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit. Amen. Some key things that the Lord wants to give us on tonight that I'm going to try to get through very quickly. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, you could do it. Amen. I just need some agreement. I just need some agreement. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ruth chapter 3 and verse number 3. When you have it, shout amen. amen. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And the word of the Lord says this so. This is the instruction of Naomi, the mother-in-law to Ruth. Amen. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. Next verse. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. And thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And I want you to jump very quickly with me to verse 9 and 10. Verse 9 and 10. Same chapter. And he said, this is talking about Boaz. Who art thou? Boaz, who is a type of Christ, by the way. And he said, who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thy handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid. For thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Bless be thou of the Lord, my daughter. For thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning. Inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. Now show me verse 16. We're almost there. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou? After spending a little bit of time with Boaz. She comes back and it's almost like her mom don't recognize her. It'll mean something a little later. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. Next verse. And she said, these six measures of barley gave he me. And he said to me, go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Verse 18 and the last verse. Then said she, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished, until he have finished the thing this day. Ooh, this day. I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject, fast results. Yeah, we're getting ready to fast. This is going to mean something. Fast results. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you now. We worship you and glorify your name. We give you praise, honor, and glory. And thank you that your word never returns unto you void. But it does that thing in which you send it out to do. So look at every heart that this seed is going to land in, Lord God, tonight. Hallelujah. And bless those hearts in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Fast results. If I had to give it a subtitle, I would call it 
the wisdom of drawing nearer to your Redeemer. The wisdom of drawing nearer to your Redeemer. Did you know that you can know about him and not know him? You, you, you can know about a person and not necessarily know the person. Yeah, yeah. You can have information but not have intimacy. I said you can have information but not have intimacy. And when I talk about intimacy, please understand me. I'm not talking about the removal of clothing. When I'm talking about intimacy, I'm talking about personal information shared. Not just information or details you gathered about a person, but information that you get from the person that is personal. It's shared secrets. When you're being intimate with somebody, you're sharing things with that person that you don't share with anybody else. So the relationship can't be an average relationship. Jesus comes to his disciples on one occasion and says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends because servants do not know what the master is doing. But since I'm going to let you in on some of my secrets, I got to elevate the relationship. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? So you can have, listen, you could have religion without the relationship. And if you have religion without the relationship, you have concepts, but you lack precepts. You have the concepts, but you do not have the precepts. Concepts is information. Precepts is intention. It's what the author had in mind when he gave you the information. Those are precepts. You only have that through relationship. Oh, God, are you here in this place? Hallelujah. You could have a praise on your lips and a heart that is distant. Jesus, on one occasion, told the religious people, you praise me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You can know Greek and not know God. You can know Hebrew and not know him. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. And so watch this. Naomi, the mother of Ruth, notices that Ruth is standing in an open door. In an open door of opportunity. And she doesn't want her to mess up her opportunity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So she gives her what I call some valuable wisdom. She says, when you go approach the kinsman, when you go approach this, this man of God, these are some things that you need to do. And while this particular scripture is not contextually about fasting, God showed me this scripture and said, these are some of the things that are going to be a result of the fast in January. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Let's start with number one. The first thing that Naomi tells Ruth to do, watch this, it's in verse three. Put verse three back up there. Hallelujah. Ruth three and three. I want them to see it tonight. Oh boy, this is going to be, hallelujah. Maybe not. Uh, wash thyself. Uh-oh. Wash thyself. The first thing <laughs> that you need to be before you approach him is freshly cleansed. I'm not saying that you didn't wash before. What I am saying, or that you weren't washed before, 
What I am saying is that you need to be freshly cleansed. Now, let me just submit this and throw this out here very quickly, hallelujah, for the theologians in the house. When I say be freshly cleansed, I'm not talking about being washed as it pertains to your salvation. Because when we're talking about your salvation, we know whose responsibility that was. That was the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus washed you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And Jesus washed your sins away with his blood. So watch this. We understand that. Amen. Uh, Jesus washed me with his blood. But watch this now. You have to wash yourself in his word. Oh, God, have mercy in here. I say, while Jesus washed you with his blood, you have a responsibility, watch this, to wash yourself in his word. Why? You will accumulate dirt along the journey. Oh, yes, you will. You sit here and act cute, hallelujah, if you want to. But we live in a dirty world, and you will accumulate dirt along the way. And so what you have to understand is that God is the initiator of the washing. But after God washes you, you have to maintain your spiritual hygiene. Not as it, not, not as it pertains you going to heaven, but as it pertains heaven coming down to the earth. Oh God, have mercy in this place. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Hallelujah. Let me give you another example of what I'm talking about. When, when they built the first te temple, the tabernacle, in the wilderness of Moses, hallelujah, they built the tabernacle, and then the Bible says that the Shekinah, the glory of God, came to the tabernacle. Watch this. And fire came down. And fire lit the altar and lit all the lamps in the tabernacle. So notice again that he is the initiator. But watch this. After that, it became the responsibility of the priests. To always keep the fire burning in the temple. And so God says, I started, you maintain it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Watch this, hallelujah. It was the priest's responsibility to always trim the wicks in the lamp so that the fire would not be kindled, so that the fire would not diminish. It was the responsibility of the priest, watch this now, to always, every day, every day, remove the ashes from the altar because yesterday's ashes diminished today's fire. What got burnt out yesterday, you don't need to continue to carry that. You need to get rid of that because if you keep carrying what God burnt up yesterday, it will diminish today's fire. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? If you're with me, still shout glory. Grace, oh boy, I hope you're ready for me today. Grace is power for godliness. As a matter of fact, your Bible puts it like this. Grace, hallelujah, empowers or teaches you say no to ungodliness. Grace is power for godliness, not permission for ungodliness. And, and those who use grace or, or, or constantly pull the grace card, can I just submit to you, the Bible is clear, watch this now, that while grace does abound, that while sin abounds, grace does that much more abound. Shall we continue in sin? Heaven 
forbid. That's what the text says. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When Jesus catches a woman in adultery, hallelujah, and they wanted to stone her, he frees her from condemnation. Aren't you glad? Ain't you glad? He frees her from condemnation, but then he looks at her and says, where are your accusers, woman? And she says, they're not here. They're gone. And he said, neither do I accuse you. Go, watch this now, and sin no more. Uh, I freed you, but now take care of yourself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What I'm trying to get at is that while Jesus washed you, you have to wash in his word. Amen? Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't just want to make it to heaven. Can I preach in here like I feel it? I, I don't just want to make it to heaven. You know, there's a song out there. I, I forgot who sang it. Somebody sings the song and says, I just want to make it to heaven. <laughs> and I listen to that song. I'm like, no. I want to make it to heaven and hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want to make it to heaven after I have accomplished everything I was destined to accomplish while I was on the earth. I wanted to be able to, like the Apostle Paul said, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. I have fought the good fight of faith. I have kept my course. I have run my race. And now I'm ready to get my crown. I don't just want to make it. And, and, and if you're the type of person that you just, I just want to make it to heaven. I ain't come to talk to you today. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? I came to talk to some people that are destiny-driven. I came to talk to some people that are destiny-driven in this place. Hallelujah. Woo, God, help me in here. Well, here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you need to be perfect. But you, you should be becoming more and more like him. Those who walk in him, listen, those who are in him should begin to walk like him. That's the challenge in the scripture, hallelujah. Not, not be perfect. You're going to miss it. Let me help you. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. But you shouldn't be trying to miss it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's the difference between the sheep and the swine. When they both fall in mud, one of them cries, the other one wallows. One falls in the mud and they're like, ooh, I like this. The other one falls in the mud and cries. That's the difference. Are you in here? If you're blessed, shout glory. How many of you remember when Jesus washes the disciples' feet? Jesus washes the disciples' feet. He starts washing their feet. He gets to Peter. Peter. You know, Peter's something else. Amen. He gets to Peter, hallelujah, and he goes to wash Peter's feet. And Peter, you know, Peter tried to be holy, tried to be spiritual. He was like, no, you don't wash my feet. You're, you're Jesus. You, you, you don't wash my feet. I wash your feet. You don't wash my feet. Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, if you don't let me do this, you will have no part with me. And so what does Peter do? Oh, in that case, not just my feet, but my head, my arms, my chest, wash all of me. Then Jesus says something very interesting to Peter. He said, Peter, you are already washed. Yeah. Watch this. You are already washed because there was a Jewish custom that said whenever you get ready to go to an event, 
right before the event, you go home and you wash. I mean, we do that today. You go home and you wash, right? And then you go to the event. But from home till you get to the event, you are going to accumulate some dirt, especially in that day because they wore sandals. And so God says, I don't got to wash all of you, but I do got to wash your feet afresh because you've accumulated dirt in the journey. Are you in this place, church? Are you blessed? In other words, every now and again, you need to take a spiritual bath. I said every now and again, you need to take a spiritual bath. When we are fasting, that is exactly what we are doing. We are taking a spiritual bath. We are being cleansed afresh or freshly cleansed. Are you in this place? Can I show you a scripture? I am not going to finish this. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. I'm about to mess somebody up. Watch, because you think you know this scripture. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. Listen to this text. Having therefore these promises, you got them, right? The promises of God. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, he's talking to the church. Let us, what? Okay, he's talking to believers now. Let us cleanse ourselves, watch this, from all filthiness of the flesh. And we know about that. But listen to the rest of it. And spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Did you know that your spirit could get dirty? You know, because we do, we, do, we do wonderful talking about get rid of the flesh and, you know, subject the flesh and, 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 you know, mortify the deeds of the flesh and get rid of the filthiness of the flesh. Hallelujah. And you could be, can I help you in here? You could be having the flesh under subjection, hallelujah, and still be walking around with a dirty spirit. Ah, boy, have mercy in this place. You could be in this place and you could have the flesh in check because you ain't out there lying. You ain't out there stealing. You ain't out there cheating. You ain't out there drugging. You ain't out there sex. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right? But you could be as hateful. I said you could be as hateful as a junkyard dog. Hateful, mean. Can I be real in here? I've met some people who profess to be Christian that were flat out meaner than some secular folk I know. Just me, just me, just mean. God help me in this place. Hallelujah. Watch this. And, and you know, the Bible talks about gifts of the Spirit. But the Bible also talks about fruits of the Spirit. And oftentimes, we put a lot of emphasis on the gifts. Oh, yes. We put a lot of emphasis on the gifts because the gifts are in your face. The gifts are showy. The gifts are for you to see in your service unto God. Hallelujah. But your fruits, they're more internal. When we're talking about fruits, we're talking about attitudes. I said, when we're talking about fruits, we're talking about attitudes. 
And listen, you could be gifted. You could be gifted. You could be, you could, I, I preach. I, I prophesy. You know, I play, I play the stringed instrument. Uh, you know, um, I give. I, I do this and I do that and just have the worst attitude. Have the worst attitude. Not even approachable. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Hallelujah. And watch this. Let me just help you in here so that you don't make the mistake to just focus on your gifts without having a balance between your gifts and your fruits. The Bible does not say that you will be known for your gift. Not what the Bible says. The Bible says you shall be known by your fruits. Ooh, God have mercy. You shall be known by your fruits. Not your gifts. Why? Because your gifts will take you to places where your character can't keep you. I said your gifts will take you to places your character can't keep you. And you'll be gifted and your gift will take you up. But you don't have the character to keep you up. So before long, you are right back down. And that's why there needs to be a balance between your gifts and your fruits. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. I wish I had time. Hallelujah. When the Bible talks about, when the Bible talks about the, the, the priest and it talks about his garb, you know the garb, he has this huge breastplate on and he has this amazing garb. At the hem of the garb, at the hem of the garb, he has two things that are very interesting. He has bells and pomegranates. Bells and pomegranates. Watch this now. One bell, one pomegranate. One bell, one pomegranate. One bell, one pomegranate. The bells represent gifts. Because, watch this, they're shiny and showy. The pomegranate represents fruit. And the priest is showing us through his garment, you need to have balance. One bell, one pomegranate. One bell, one pomegranate. One bell. If you have three bells banging against each other, what you're going to have is an, an annoying noise. An annoying noise. And if all you have is gifts with no fruits, all you are making is an annoying sound in the ears of Almighty God. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If I had time, I'll take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know it as the love chapter. But how does the love chapter start? Watch this. This is how it starts. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Gifts. Tongues. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Though I prophesy. Gifts. Amen. Though I have all faith. So I give, watch this, all I have to the poor, benevolence, giving, gifts. God, help me in this place. Do I give my body to be burned at the stake? That's faith. That's a gift. God gave you that. To each has been given a measure of faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Watch this. And though I do all those things and I have not, watch this, love, fruit, just one fruit, I am nothing but Clanging cymbals and sounding brass. I am nothing but an annoying sound. Ooh, God have mercy in here. Somebody shout balance. When God takes me up, I won't have the kind of character and attitude that keeps me up. Are you blessed in this place? Hallelujah. Ooh, God. If my spirit can get dirty... My, know that your spirit is the part of you that gives you God consciousness. 
Your soul gives you self-consciousness. Your body gives you world consciousness. But the part of you that communicates with God is your spirit man. So you want to be freshly cleansed so that when you throw up those hands, hallelujah, God sees them. God, help me. And when you throw up those prayers, God hears them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I need Bible. Ah, oh, man. I got to give it to him. I got to give it to him. Hallelujah. Isaiah 1 and 15. Isaiah 1 and 15. Hallelujah. You guys doing all right? Isaiah 1 and 15. I want to teach today. Watch this. And when you spread forth your hands, listen to what he says. I will hide my eyes from you. When you throw them up, I will hide my eyes from you. When you make many prayers, because you know you're dealing with a lot of issues. And when you got a lot of issues, you can't just throw up one prayer. So when you make many prayers, I will not hear. And then he says, because your hands are full of blood. And you automatically assume that that's talking about because they kill people. But that's not what the text is talking about contextually. The text is talking about how God is tired of them continually making sacrifices for their sins. And it's almost become ritualistic. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And God is, is in essence, when you read the, the rest of it, he's prophesying that the day is coming where I'm going to wash away your sin. But when, you, when I wash them away, remember, Hebrew tells us that there is no longer a sacrifice for sin. So if you continue to sin after I wash you once and for all, in essence, what you're doing is continually trampling the cross of Christ. Are you following what I'm saying? It's almost like you're walking around talking about it didn't work. Problem is, he ain't coming to do it again. You ought to be glad that you don't have to get saved again. <laughs> and get saved again. In the Old Testament, they, gotta get, they had to get saved every year. <laughs> they had to bring sacrifices every year so God could cover them. But the Bible says that God didn't just cover you when he died on the cross. He took your sins. Oh, God, have mercy. He took them away. And so, if I took them away, you ought to walk as someone who has had them taken away. And that, again, that's not to say that you won't miss it. You will miss it, and there'll be grace for when you miss it. But you shouldn't be trying to miss the mark. You should be trying to be like him. And in order to do that every now and again, you need a spiritual bath. If you're in this place, shout glory. Ruth told, Naomi told Ruth, wash yourself. It's not that you were not washed before. It's just that you need a fresh bath. Because Ruth, baby, you, you've accumulated dirt in the field while you were gleaning. And we live in a dirty world. Amen, somebody. And when you come before God, you can't just run up. Can I just help you in here? You can't just run up in the presence of God in your kind of way. I know that the New Testament says come boldly. But come boldly, in essence, the word there means confident. But, but, but you're confident because of the way you're walking. You're confident because of the way you, you don't, in the Old Testament, you couldn't run up on the presence of God. They made sure that they put the temple on a hill. So that just in case if you were running, you had to slow down. Because the hill would slow you down. And God would be like, ease up, ease up. And if you didn't know, and if you didn't know, the steps leading to the temple 
The steps leading to the temple, each one was a different size. So that you don't just run up the steps. You know how kids do two by two? You couldn't do that on those steps because each one was a different size. And if you tried to run up on God that way, you would trip up. So God wanted you to measure every step as you approach him. Are you in this place, church? So watch this. Be washed. That's point number one. <laughs> I have seven. I, I kind of wanted to keep that a, a secret. Hallelujah. Psalm 119, verse, I'm just going to quote it. Verse 9 basically says, how shall a young man keep his way pure? This is how, hallelujah, by living according to the word of God. How do you wash? You wash in the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You wash in the word. The Bible says, hallelujah, that you are sanctified by the water of the washing of the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What water is to your body, the word is to your spirit. Your word, God, is my rain. And so every now and again, I have to wash. Ooh, God. Number two, very quickly, is, watch this. After she told her, I'm not going to go to the text. You check it out. Verse three still. I'm still in verse three. She said, wash thyself. Second thing she said is be anointed. Be anointed. Watch this. You cannot be anointed without first washing. Let me just throw that in there. You cannot be anointed without first washing. Notice the order. Wash, then anoint. Nobody puts on cologne or perfume before they bathe. You don't put on the cologne, God help me in here, and then take a bath. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Or worse than that. You don't skip the bath and just put on cologne and think that that's going to suffice. And you're looking at me and you're going, ew, that's nasty. But let me help you here. There are people who want to be anointed without washing. Who want to be anointed, watch this, with power without washing in the word, without praying. And without fasting. And it does not work that way. Oh God, have mercy in this place. The priest, if you study, the priest, watch this, would have to wash first. And then after they wash, they would be anointed. Because Jesus washed you, because of the blood, watch this, the anointing can come. And because of what Jesus did, everybody has been given a measure of the anointing. But if you want that anointing to increase, you have to wash in the word. You have to wash in prayer. You have to wash with fasting. Oh, God, have mercy in this place. Hallelujah. Watch this. Solomon, in all his wisdom, said this. Hallelujah. Do not let even one fly get in. The perfumer's oil. 
He said, if one fly gets in and dies in the oil, the oil is ruined. And it begins to let out a foul odor. And so listen, hallelujah. You wash, then you're anointed. In essence, God is saying, hallelujah, dirt is a hindrance to the anointing. And I ain't anointing dirty stuff. Help me in here. So if you want the anointing to increase in your life, you have to wash so that he can increase the anointing in your life. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Are you blessed in here? My God, time is eluding me. I'm over here looking to see where I can jump now and skip and hallelujah. Watch this. I wanted to. I'm going to say this. Even if I finish with this, hallelujah, I have to do it. Amen. Solomon amazes me because there's no man wiser than Solomon apart from Jesus Christ. Amen. You read the book of Proverbs. You read Ecclesiastes. You are blown away at the wisdom of Solomon. You want to get a little smarter? Just read, hallelujah, Proverbs, and you will be amazed at the wisdom that you gain. Amen. Uh, watch this. Solomon talked about wisdom. Then he gets to a place somewhere around chapter 28, between chapter 28, chapter 30. Check it for yourself. Amen. Uh, he gets to a place where he starts talking about a wisdom that is exceeding. So he's talking about wisdom throughout the whole chapter. And then he gets to the place where he says, now I want to talk to you about something that is exceedingly wise. And so he's talking about wisdom on the ultimate level. So I want to talk to you now about big wisdom. So he gets ready to talk to us about big wisdom and then starts pointing at little tiny things. And I said, what in the world? And so he says, watch this. He says, there are four things that exist that are very small, but they are exceedingly wise. And then he names them. And I, I, I based our children's ministry after this text, amen? And we called it Little Giants because these things were very small, but they were exceeding wise. And he said the ant, number one. He says, you want to see wisdom at its best? Look at the ant. And, and he just says, listen, it prepares its food in the summer for the winter. The ant speaks of preparation. Without preparation, success will elude you. That's not even where I'm going. I just felt like throwing that out there, and that's not going to cost you anything. Watch this. The second, one, the second one was the coney. The coney, just in case you don't know, is kin to the rabbit, but except it has feeble legs. It can't run like a rabbit. What the coney does, hallelujah, when trouble comes, is that it camouflages itself in the rocks. It camouflages itself in the rocks. In other words, the coney speaks of positioning. Positioning. In the rock. Which is Christ. Amen? Then you have the locust. The locust is amazing. Oh, I wish I had time. One day I will talk to you about this stuff. Watch this. The locust is amazing because the locust can fly for miles. Watch this. Can soar. Let me put it to you another way. Can soar for miles but can't fly. Its wings are too small. So its strength is not in its wings. Watch this. So the wisdom of the locust is simply this. It waits for the wind. It waits for the wind. And then when the wind is coming, his strength is not in his wings. So how, did he, how does he get in the wind? His strength is in his legs. The locust speaks about propelling. Uh, all you got to do is catch a wind. And the wind of the spirit will cause you to fly without struggle. 
I'm going to leave that alone because that's really not where I'm going either. But the locust speaks about propelling. The one I wanted, because we're still talking about anointing. Somebody shout anointing. The one I wanted to talk about was the spider. The spider is the last one. The spider speaks about productivity. The spider spins its web from within and makes his house. Ooh, that blesses me. You want to know why? It lets me know my house is in me. If I don't say nothing else, my house is in me. And the spider is amazing because, you know, come on, no matter how, the Bible says, watch this, this is Solomon's wisdom. The spider spins with its webs, with his hands, right? And the Bible says hands. So I guess two out of those eight legs are hands. I don't know. You argue with God about that. Spins with his hands and ends up in king's palaces. Makes his house among the kings. And will not be denied. And I don't care how hard you try. You try real hard. I need some real people in here. A spider web will find itself in your house. It'll, he will get in your house. And you know the thing that blesses me about the spider? You try to tear that house down. You ever took a broom and smacked a spider web? And then woke up the next day. The next, the next day. He got an attitude. And I like his attitude. Because he has an attitude just like Jesus who said destroy this temple. And in three days. Just give me a little bit of time. Just give me a little bit of time. My house is in me. If I built the first one, there's another one. God, help me in here. It's in me. It's in me. My house is in me. That's not even what I really wanted to say either. But since I'm not going to finish anyway, let me hang my nail somewhere around here. What I wanted to say is notice when the spider spins his web. Every other insect that touches the web gets stuck, but not the spider. Every insect that touches the web, bah, stuck, can't move, they become lunch. But the spider moves through the web gloriously and never gets stuck. You want to know why? Because the spider has this amazing ability to release this secretion, this substance that gives him the ability, watch this, to slide through what others get stuck on. And that's what the anointing will do for you. Hallelujah. If you ever walk in a real anointing, hallelujah, you will slide through stuff others get stuck on. You will outlive stuff, hallelujah, overcome stuff that people can't overcome. They'll have a nervous breakdown, they'll flip out, have anxiety, be full of worry, and you have peace that passes all understanding, and you'll slide through it. They'll get stuck in it, but you'll slide through it. Can somebody give God praise for the anointing? Woo! Should I do one more? The anointing will make what's unbearable to others bearable to you. If you have been to the prayer group, I've used this illustration. Hallelujah. Watch this. When they will be sacrificing animals in the outer court of the temple, it will be a mess. Thousands of animals. In one day, could you imagine the stench of dead animals and blood all over the place? You know what the priests would do? Priests would go inside the temple, go into not the holiest place, but the most holy place, 
the second chamber, and would go to the altar of incense that was right in front of the veil that led you to the holies of holies and get some incense. Because understand, oh, God, help me in here. Naomi told Ruth, anoint yourself. In other words, put on some perfume, girl. You're going to go see Boaz. You better, you better smell good. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm really speaking spiritually, but I'm trying to make you understand it. Hallelujah. Because while you could be in here today washed, right, naturally, and smelling good because you got your cologne and your perfume on, in the spirit, if, if God caught a scent of your anointing right now, would it be pleasing to him? Are you in this place? Because your God is spirit. And if you want to worship him, you have to worship him in spirit. And so you can't get your spirit dirty. And, and you will because of this world that we live in. So you have to wash so that he can increase your anointing. I'm teaching pretty good tonight, hallelujah. But the time is not on my side. Watch this. The third thing she told her, I'll do one more, I'll do one more. The third thing she told her is, watch this. Put your best garment on, girl. Wash, put on some cologne, and put you something nice on. In other words, suit up. Yeah, yeah, that's my, my, my third point. Suit up, hallelujah. And, and, and watch this. What is that about? Understand that she was in mourning. Her husband had died. She, she, she came from Moab, and she was in mourning. And just in case you didn't know, in those days, they wore what, what they called mourning clothes. They let you know they were mourning by how they dressed. And she was wearing mourning clothes. And Naomi was telling her, you can't go to the king. You can't approach the king with a spirit of heaviness. You need to change your clothes, girl. Oh, God, have mercy in here. She was, she was wearing, watch this, a spirit of heaviness. She was wearing depression. She was wearing discouragement. She was wearing defeat. And Naomi told her, you can't, you can't go to the king like that. He'll sympathize with you. He can be touched. Yeah, he could be touched by your infirmity. Yes, he can be touched because he knows what it is. Amen. But that doesn't make him come to you. He inhabits the praises of his people. So you need to trade your spirit of heaviness and put on the garment of praise. If you know who you're going to see. Ooh, God, help me in here. I try to tell people sometimes one of the best things you could do for your prayer life, hallelujah, is get some of the moaning and the groaning out and add some hallelujahs to it. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Ooh, if you're blessed in here, shout glory. glory. I'm on a roll. I feel like I should keep going. You can't please God without faith. The Bible says it is impossible. So when you approach God, you have to approach him with praise and you have to approach him with faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, God, I, I, I really believe and I came to tell somebody in this place that during this time of consecration and during this time of fasting, God's going to change your wardrobe. I said God's going to change your wardrobe. Hallelujah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I wish I had time. Hallelujah. He'll turn your morning into dancing. Hallelujah. He'll give you the oil of joy for your sorrow. And he'll give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Oh, God's going to hook you up. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Oh, I got all these scriptures I wanted to share, but I'm just, trying, I'm just going to give you the points. Can I just give you the points? Hallelujah. Number four, watch this, was total submission. Total submission. I'm going to go really fast now, saints. Watch this. She said, when you get to him, now you're washed, you're anointed, you got your garment on. When you get to him, lay at his feet. Lay at his feet. Laying at the feet in that day was a sign, watch this, of total submission. Oh, man, I, I, could, I could really preach right here, but I'm not going to do it. But submission. A lot of people, especially in the day that we're living in today, have a hard time with submission. Matter of fact, I would, I would submit that we are living, hallelujah, in the least submitted generation that has ever existed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And here's what I've learned. Submission ain't submission until you got to do it. I said submission ain't submission until you got to do it. Because most people will tell you, I think I can submit. I can submit. I can submit. You can give me that position. I can submit. I think I can handle that. I can submit. I can submit. But it ain't submission until you got to do it. It ain't submission, hallelujah, until you go to somebody who has authority and you say, this is what I felt like doing. This is what I put together. This is how I think it should happen. This is how I think the Lord gave it to me. And this is how I want to try and do it. And then that person looks at you and said, that's not how we're going to do it. We're going to do it like this. And you're not going to head it up. Somebody else is going to head it up. It ain't submission. You ain't saying nothing. Hallelujah. <laughs> until you got to do it. Because at that point, you understand that you are a person under authority. And the only reason you can have authority is if you are first under authority. That's why the centurion, I ain't got time, but the centurion soldier that came to Jesus and said, I need you to come to my house and heal my servant. Jesus said, let's go to your house. He said, well, you don't have to come to my house. I am a man, check it out, Matthew 8 and 9. I am a man under authority. And I tell this one to go and he goes. And I tell this one to come, and he comes. He didn't say, I'm, in, I'm a man in authority, because he understood that I don't really have authority, authority until I am under authority. And if I can't listen or hearken to another voice, my voice will never carry the influential power necessary to get things done. Are you in this place, church? I better leave that alone before I mess up a perfectly nice sermon. The most sacred place, hallelujah, it's not the pulpit, and I'll mess you up. It's not the Holy Land. It's not Jerusalem. It's at Jesus' feet. I said it's at Jesus' feet. Not his hand, gimme, give gimme. Give it's at his feet. That's where the woman with the alabaster box was. That's where Mary was while Martha was busy working in the house. That's where the Gerardian demonic was after Jesus cast 2,000 demons out of him, sitting clothed and in his right mind at Jesus' feet. Are you blessed in here? Total submission. Watch this. The next one, verse 5. She says to, she says to, to Naomi, whatever you say, I will do. So you know what she's in now? She's in compliance. She's in compliance. During this fast, we're not going to demand from God so that he can get with our agenda. Yeah. 
Because you know how we do. I'm, I'm believing for all this stuff that I want. God, I want to do all these things and I need you to get with me and get with my agenda. That's not what we're going to do during this fast. During this fast, hallelujah, we're going to say, God, show us your will. We're going to say, God, what's next? And whatever you say, that's what we're going to do. God have mercy. And we're not just going to hear the word, and as long as it fits our agenda, we'll decide whether we're going to go with that or not. We're not just going to hear it. We're going to do it. Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Because him who only hears the word and doesn't do it is like a man who stands before a mirror, then walks away and forgets what manner of man he really is. He is like the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. But the wise man, listen, the wise man, he hears the word and does it. And builds his house on the rock. And the storm hits both houses. Let me help you in here. Both houses get hit with the storm. The one with the weak foundation and the one with the strong foundation. Both get hit. But at the end of the day, one will stand. And it will be the one that is wise. Why is it wise? Because it hears and does. Because it hears and does. So watch this. While faith comes by hearing, your foundation is laid by doing. Well, I'm going to leave that alone because i got to give you the next point, right? So those are five things that you have to do. Now, let me just tell you what God does when you do these five things. And these are the things that God's going to do when you present your body as a living sacrifice unto God during our time of consecration. Do you want the two things that God wants to give you? I could wait till Sunday. Very quickly, hallelujah. Watch this, number six. Put it up there. No, you're going to be noticeably blessed. The Bible says that Boaz, watch this, not only told her she was blessed of the Lord, because you know how we, we do, we say, yeah, you're blessed. Not only did he tell her she was blessed, he blessed her. <laughs> Amen? Yeah, and and when, when, when we submit to God in these five things, you ain't going to have to tell people you're blessed by faith. Because you know how we do, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm blessed and highly favored. And half the time you say it by faith. Because somebody asked you how you do it. You're not saying nothing in here. Hallelujah. I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm blessed. But watch this. In this case, when Ruth comes back, Naomi doesn't ask her how she's doing. You know what Naomi asked her? Who are you? There's something different. So I, don't, I almost didn't recognize you. She came back so blessed. She no longer looked like what she came from. Because when God finishes with you, God, help me in this place. Not only did she come back, watch this, she came back with six measures of barley. And just in case you didn't know, that's 60 pounds. Six, little Ruth, 60 pounds. Now, come on, do I got some women in here? 60 pounds, that's a lot for, for a woman who's not at the gym all the time. You understand what I'm saying? To be, could you imagine Ruth? I mean, you, you don't got to ask her how she's doing. She blessed. She's weighed down with the blessing of the Lord on her life. Hallelujah. And she's weighed down with that blessing. And it is noticeable. Nobody's going to have to ask if she's blessed. They look and they see that she's blessed. And she's blessed because she's washed. She's blessed because she's anointed. She's blessed because she's dressed up the right way. Hallelujah. Oh, come on church. Hallelujah. She's blessed because she's submitted. 
And she's blessed because she's in compliance. And the last thing, because if that wasn't enough, you see, because here's what you got to understand. He gave her a handful on purpose, 60 pounds, but he wasn't finished. Before it's all said and done, she owns the whole field. I said before it's all said and done, she owns the whole, ooh, God. She owns the whole field. My last point is simply God's promises will manifest. When you submit to God in this way during this time of consecration, you remember on New Year's Eve I told you we were at a tipping point and whatever's going to come is going to come fast. Listen to 18, put verse 18, I'm finished, watch this, verse 18. Put it up there very quickly. Verse 18, roof 3 and 18. Hallelujah, Jesus. Then said she, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest, oh my God, until he have finished this thing this day. Listen to what he said. Remember, he's the type of Christ. He's the type of, listen to what Jesus is saying. Because you did your part. Because you did your part, now you sit still. Because I will not rest until I do mine. God, help me in this place. And if you know that story like I do, when it's all said and done, she owns the whole field. She marries Boaz. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And she is blessed beyond measure. God. Now, let me, can I just bring it home? You need to see this on the screen though. Look on the screen, put my last point up there. Let me just give you a rundown. Freshly washed, anointed, suited up, totally submitted, in compliance, noticeably blessed, God's promises manifested. All that's going to happen while we are in fasting. Do you believe it in here? Come on, somebody give God praise. Come on, somebody give God a real praise in here. Hallelujah. Woo, God. Hallelujah. Look at it, saints. F, freshly washed. A, anointed. S, suited up. T, totally submitted. I, in compliance. N, noticeably blessed. G, God's promises manifested. Spells fasting. Fasting. That's what I believe is going to happen when the church comes together to consecrate before the Lord. You need to take that word and mix it with faith. Do you believe it in here, church? Do you really believe it in here, church? I know that we got to go, but that's a word right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know we got to go, and I know we still got to take the offering, but I'm going to ask you to stand for a moment. Just can we stand for a moment? Stand for a moment. Hallelujah. Just leave that on the screen. Hallelujah. While we stand. Listen at the wisdom. The wisdom of drawing near to your Redeemer. You're going to draw near. You got to be washed. 
God washed you with his blood, but you need to wash in his word. Amen. Anointed. After you wash, you can be anointed. You put cologne perfume on after. You wash, not before. Amen. That doesn't even make sense. Suited up, dressed up, hallelujah, with the garment of praise, with the praise on your lips. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You can't just run up in any kind of way. If you come another way, you don't come in. He tells us how to come in. Hallelujah. Totally submitted at his feet. God, I give you all of me. God, I present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is my reasonable service. Hallelujah. Everything you say during the fast, that's what I'll do. I'm in compliance. That's my part. That's my part. And God says, now because you've done your part, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you noticeably. Nobody's going to have to ask you how you're doing because they're going to see how well you're doing. Matter of fact, they're going to say, who are you? She said, are you my daughter, Ruth? So blessed. I almost didn't recognize you. You used to be downcast. You used to be depressed. You used to be discouraged. You were wearing guilt. You were wearing defeat. And now you look like an absolutely different person. You are blessed. And I, and I like this Boaz because he gave you 60 pounds of barley. I could hear, I could hear, I always say, you need to marry this guy. And Ruth does. And when she does, she gets everything. And when you get Jesus, you get everything. That's why we sing, all I need is you, Lord. Because when I got you, I got everything. I got everything. Are you blessed, church? Are you really blessed in this place, church? My God, can somebody just praise God in here?